For me, it began in 1992 with an ending. I was five years old and happened upon a comic shop advertising the death of Superman in its window display. From that moment forward, the Man of Steel has been my favorite character. And now on this podcast, I'm exploring my fandom and examining the creative visions that have shaped the last son of Krypton across media for over 80 years. Welcome to Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato, and joining me to discuss the series premiere of the CW television show, Superman and Lois, is returning guest, Mike San Gregorio. Mike, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Very excited. Yes, and you and I have not compared notes at all about our reaction to this episode. So we are, the conversation that we're about to have could not be any more fresh or spontaneous, <laughs> which I'm excited about. And let me just issue this right at the top. Spoilers will be discussed. We are going to be talking about what transpires in the pilot episode of Superman and Lois. We're going to be talking about the events that bring the Kents back to Smallville. We'll be talking about which, if any, of the Kent boys have powers. We'll be talking about uh, the identity of the armored uh, antagonist who plagues Superman throughout the episode. So there will be spoilers. If you haven't watched the pilot of Superman and Lois yet and you care about being spoiled, now's the time to put press pause on this podcast. <laughs> Go watch it. Uh, and then come back and listen as we break it down. But if you've watched, or if you haven't watched, but you don't care and you just want to hear us talk about it, uh, then uh, we'll, we'll dive right in. So, uh, oh, and what uh, what what drink are you enjoying tonight, my friend? Uh, I have a bourbon, uh, direwolf bourbon. I could not locate where it was from, but it was a gift, and it is quite delicious. I'm drinking it in my custom Spider-Man glass to uh, to rep the other side of the street, as it were. Uh, which was also a gift. Very nice. Well, so you have your your Spider-Man glass, your Superman shirt, though. So, you know, it, it, it evens out. Uh, I, but I had to dig this out for you because I actually was wearing a Spider-Man shirt earlier today. And I said, no, you know what? I'm not going to do that to Anthony. It's, it's interesting. I mean, I've been wearing Superman-themed hoodies for pretty much all of my podcast recordings for the past few weeks now at least and I don't know part of me feels like it's one of those things like you you know you don't wear uh the the t-shirt of the band whose concert you're going to part of me is like well should I not be like wearing the Superman stuff talking about Superman but it feels appropriate and especially with the video podcast it's like you know why why not you know I'm I'm not a big music guy in in the sense that I didn't grow up like going to shows and stuff but I never understood that because when I go to a movie premiere or I go to a convention I look forward to the shirts I'm going to wear, usually like geek themed or comic themed or, you know, a great Star Wars shirt for a Star Wars premiere makes the night. So I, I never understood that mentality. Like when, I, when I'm when i going to record one of these with you, it's like, oh, you know, I don't wear my Superman shirts very often. So which one can I break out? Which one is uh, something I haven't worn recently? So I look forward to it. Yeah, you know, honestly, I'm with you. I, I I do agree with that. I don't know where that idea came from. Obviously, it's it's taken root and it's like a thing. But uh, but I'm with you. Uh, so you enjoy your drink. I have a glass of Maker's Forty Six, a little variant on the the classic Maker's Mark. And a it's stronger, yeah. Quite Good quite stuff. delicious. Yeah, we'll see. You know, <laughs> we'll see how I get as the episode <laughs> as the episode goes on. I I think I said this to you before we started recording, but I I like that we both drink bourbon 
because it is a uniquely American spirit. It's the American version of whiskey. So I think, you know, just from the perspective of talking about Superman, this 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 uh, perennial American icon, it, it's kind of perfect. You know, you, you could almost see him sitting there with John Kent on his 18th birthday and John just being like, sit down, have some of this. You know, we got to we got to talk. Yeah, that's true. Although, do you remember that issue of uh, Action Comics by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank with, you You know the one I'm talking about, where the, exactly ori- the, talking the original about. cover was Clark and Jonathan by the fence post holding a beer, and then that, that got changed because apparently, you know, Superman, who's who's an adult and also not affected by alcohol, yeah. uh, somehow <laughs> could not you, be seen. You know what bothered me the most about that? Yeah, please, for those who aren't aware of what we're talking about, like Google, like Gary Frank Superman beer cover. The original is is beautiful. Gary Frank is an amazing artist, but the 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 edit just awkwardly puts the word soda on the beer bottle. Like it is the most awkward thing in the world, and that that's what I couldn't get over. It's like why damage that beautiful piece of art? If you don't want to release it, don't release it. But to damage it in such an obvious way, it's just it's disservice to the team, you know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, well, we're enjoying our drinks. You have your Superman t-shirt. I'm wearing my Smallville High Class of 2005 hoodie. It felt appropriate given the setting of this new show. So, you know, we have a lot to unpack. You and I did, we did a little mini-sode a couple weeks ago where we talked about our reaction to the trailer and we talked about our expectations, uh, hopes, maybe some misgivings heading into the pilot. And uh, And now we're here to talk about the pilot itself. So, Again, we have a lot to unpack and, and, you know, we'll go through all of it, but big picture, what's, what's your hot take? Were you a fan? Are you going to keep watching? What'd you think? I enjoyed this show very much, which was a surprise to me because I don't, I wasn't expecting to for one reason or another. And I sat down and I could not stop watching it. It addressed so many of the, the reasons I don't normally immediately gravitate towards Superman. This show addressed every single one of them. It was shot beautifully. It was so well done, so tightly plotted, and so well shot that I could not believe I was watching like an hour and a half of TV. Like This is what I want to see from Superman in any medium, certainly film or TV. So I, I was floored by how much I ended up enjoying it. Right on, man. I had a very, very, almost an identical experience. Um, you know, I went in open to it. You know, I, I did not go in with the mentality of, you know, I'm not going to like this, but I, I did have some misgivings and I was so impressed. I thought it was a, an exceptionally strong pilot. I was really, really impressed by how it looked and felt nothing like an Arrowverse show, which pleased me to no end because that was one of the main misgivings I had about this. You know, I've, I've, and I've talked about this before, you know, I, I've enjoyed the arrow stuff over the years, but I just kind of, I feel like there's this degree of sameness that they all kind of have. And I feel like a lot of the shows are are spinning their wheels now. And the idea of yet another entry that's going to look and feel and hit the same beats as the other shows just did not excite me. And, and like you said, the aesthetic alone, I mean, it, it really has the cinematic quality to it. I mean, like, it just gorgeously shot. Uh, so I was, I was really happy about that. And I thought that the family angle worked beautifully. It allowed them to move the mythology in a new direction, show us something that we really haven't seen before, especially on screen. And I also, and this is something that I'm sure we'll spend a, a lot of time talking about, I was really impressed by how they gave the town of Smallville 
and identity apart from what we've seen before. And I thought it made a lot of sense, especially in today's times. And it really allows this show to stand apart. So yeah, I was, I was really impressed and I watched it twice. Okay. I watched it twice. Cause the first night I was interviewing Mark Wade for an upcoming episode of this podcast. <laughs> and the, uh, <laughs> if you follow me on social media, you might've seen the photo that I posted, but I was doing that the night that this premiered. And so I didn't get to watch it until later. And by that point, my wife was ready to go to sleep. So I watched it. And then a couple nights later, she and I sat down and we watched it together and it was great to watch it a second time. And, you know, to watch, you know, without commercials, it was at just about an hour and to watch an hour long pilot twice, you know, within a span of, of three nights, you, you know, you might expect that it might be a little, you know, a little boring the second time around. It wasn't like it really held my interest uh, the second time. It held up really, really well. Yeah, I, I have a little different take on it than you do, only because I am fully committed to the Arrowverse. Like, I, I just love it. Like, I really think it can do no wrong. I actually rewatched Crisis on Infinite Earths before the premiere because I wanted to um, kind of refresh myself on where the character had been. Uh, I ver- I like very much the the version of Superman that that premieres in the Arrowverse, so it was exciting to see him show up again. Um, and just going through the five episodes of Crisis, it kind of reminded me what I really liked about the Arrowverse, and I was almost pumped to be like, oh great, we're going to get another entry of this type of thing. And then I started watching the pilot, and I was like, oh no, this is something completely different but I'm completely on board. So it was a very nice surprise. <laughs> All right. Well, so it worked, it worked well for both of us. Uh, let me say this, because I don't want to come down so hard on the Arrowverse. They've accomplished a lot. And, you know, what they did with Crisis in particular, across five shows on a television budget and production schedule, staggering. It was awesome. I mean, you know, yeah. and, you know, I will say this, and I've, I've said this before too, but, you know, the, the second season of Arrow in particular one of my favorite seasons of any superhero show, certainly. So, uh, and you know, I think Legends of Tomorrow is a lot of fun. There's a lot that I've enjoyed about those shows over the years, but I do feel that a lot, most of them at this point have, have gotten into a bit of a rut. And that was, that was kind of what was diminishing my overall enjoyment of the Arrowverse and made me a little wary of another entry. But, but again, I'm glad that, um, that that it wasn't true, um, but so I'm glad you know. Despite us having different <laughs> feelings about the Arrowverse, <laughs> the show still worked. Now I thought of you uh, minutes into the episode. It begins with this, I think, a pretty effective and efficient montage of you know some of the key moments in in Clark's life, and <laughs> when we see him make his debut, he's in the the Fleischer costume, and I know you're a big fan. I, Anthony, I was so excited that of all the comic book and superhero nonsense (laughs) I have got to see on TV and in film, that was something I never thought I'd see. And the, the whole scene is perfect because he picks up the, the, the car, which is green, like it is on the cover of Action Comics number one, but it's a PT Cruiser. You know, it's something that would have been around 15 years ago whenever he's supposed to start being Superman. And then he's wearing the full, the classic Fleischer costume, complete with the trunks. And then he, you know, he gives the kid back his hat and he smiles at him. And he's like, my mom made the costume for me. And then he flies. I was over the moon. I was like, this is how it must feel like when I am watching a Marvel movie. And it's like, I've been reading that since I could read. And now I'm seeing it on the big screen and to see this for, for DC, to see this for Superman, I must've watched that scene four or five times, just rewinding and going back. Cause I was so excited. 
Yeah, right on. I, I'm I, again. I thought of you, and I'm like, oh man, he's gonna love this because I know we've talked about your your affinity for the Fleischer cartoons, and we'll um, you know, down the line, not too far down the line on this podcast, we're gonna do a. Uh, I'm planning a trilogy of episodes looking at Superman and the golden, silver, and bronze ages. And you're my you're my golden age guy. And in addition to the comics, we'll also talk about the Fleischer cartoon. And I don't know, depending on how much there is to say, maybe Fleischer will will kind of spin that off into its own episode too at some point down the line. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought of you, and I thought that was really cool. It was it was a nice nod uh, to that era. And yeah, certainly the recreation of of the Action Comics number one with the car that was that was really really cool. That that whole montage was gorgeous. And you know, the thing that I thought was really neat about it was you see. Uh, Smallville itself uh, was the setting for a lot of these big moments in Clark's life and Clark's life with Lois. It's the farm where he reveals his secret identity to her. They appear to get married on the farm. Uh, they share the news of the pregnancy with Martha on the farm. So, you know, you see that, um, to borrow a phrase from the, the previous television version, they've always held on to Smallville, it, it appears. <laughs> Uh, so I thought that was cool, but yeah, I thought that montage was uh, was a nice way to to kick things off, right? Yeah i I thought it was great, uh, and and I believe they released that as a, a separate video that you could watch. So I was sharing it with people, and I was saying, you know, if you were on the fence about this show, watch this, and if you get through the end and you don't want to see what the rest of it's about, I can't help you, but I think you're going to want to. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was well done. I, I thought the the mission statement of this show based on that was, you know who these characters are. You, you do. We're not retelling the origin story. We're not retelling the big moments. We are showing you what comes next. And I feel like that is so interesting because Superman's been adapted so many times that he has that luxury of being able to see well, what comes after you think Act 3 and his story is. And this was the perfect way to set that up. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I said this at the top, but I mean, I think that's one of the things that I, I really appreciated so much about this. And, you know, credit where credit's due, you know, Peter Tomasi in the rebirth run of comics, you know, he told a similar story of, of Lois and Clark raising, you know, in that case, one son, but on a farm. So, you know, there there is some precedent for this, but certainly on screen, I mean, this this is taking us into new territory and and really interesting territory. And you know, it's, I know you and I are both Smallville fans, and I've said this before, but I know that one of the reasons I loved Smallville so much was that it premiered when I was just starting high school, and Clark was in high school, and our our paths in, in that respect, <laughs> if nothing else, you know, paralleled each other. And it's really funny how you know the the Superman mythology provides what you need. At, at a certain point in life because, you know, now I'm a dad, you're a new dad as well, and we have this show that's all about him as a father. It's really interesting how, how the timing on that works, right? Yeah, you and I are very lucky in that respect. These things land just when we need them to, and, and yeah, I mean, when he is speaking to his kids, granted they're much older than, than my kid is, I just, you feel it. You're like, you know this character, you're not expecting them to have to go through this, and to watch them interact, it's like, oh, I, I'm going to file that one away. So, yeah, it's like, I mean, when, and we're skipping ahead, but that's fine. And we can jump around. I don't, don't feel like we need to go chronologically through the episode. Again, we're assuming everyone has, has watched it. Uh, you know, the scene where the boys discover the spaceship in the barn and then they confront Lois and Clark and, you know, it gets really heated. And I mean, uh, you know, before Jordan, you know, one of the sons storms off, he's like, you know, you might've been sent here, you know, to be a hero, but you sure as hell weren't sent here to be a father. It's like, oh, yeah. I mean, it really, it really hits you. Yeah. 
Yeah. The, my favorite thing about this show is that it defines the conflict better than anything with Lex ever did because Clark is worried about his relationship with his kids, which is like in the movie, like when his father passed away, something that all his powers can't help him with. You know, he, he might be able to do all these amazing and incredible things and help the rest of the world, but none of those are going to help him be a better dad. And you see that, you see that conflict in the way he interacts with Lois, the way he interacts with her father, the way he interacts with everyone else. And I thought that's brilliant. And it's not the first time it's been done. I mean, um, I don't know if, you, if you've ever read Robert Kirkman's Invincible. That It's very similar the way that starts out. Um, another book that I'm a fan of is Jupiter's Legacy, which has a similar um, uh, similar relationship to, that it builds off of. But this here on an ongoing basis and to see it with the original superhero, I thought was just, it was great. It was like you, you can have endless stories spring out from this. Yeah, I mean, 100%. And, you know, it's the sort of thing... You know, I guess one of the things that I hope to counter on this podcast as a whole, you know, would be the the criticisms that are often leveled against the character and in particular that he's not relatable. And it's like, man. And, and again, I think, you know, so much of my fandom was defined by watching Smallville, where he's a young man. He's trying to figure everything out. And now you see him as a dad trying to figure everything out, really torn, you know, and, and just and I think that's really encapsulated in that the last conversation he has with Martha before she passes, where. You know, he's like, well, I have a responsibility to the world. And she's like, well, you have a bigger responsibility at home. And it's like, it's it really puts him in a tough spot. I really like the scene where uh, Sam shows up at the at the house and he's trying to get, you know, Clark to go. And, and Lois is just like, no, like, you know, you're not going. Like, your family needs you now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting conflict and it's more... It's more believable than ever because we've seen we've seen versions of this where, you know, it, it, it puts a strain on his relationship with Lois, for example. Right. But I like that that's not the angle here. Like they're fully partners. She knows the deal. She knows what he has to do. It's not a matter of like, oh, you're not making time for me. It's like, no, you like your family needs you. Your boys need you. Yeah. The, the thing I like the most about that is, is, yes, they're in a relationship. They're fully committed. She is on his side. But at the same time, she hasn't lost who she is because during the entire pilot, she is she is Lois Lane, world's greatest journalist. She is investigating Morgan Edge on the home front, on the far front, on everything else. And I love that. I love the fact that she still has an arc because she is as interesting as Clark, more so if you consider the fact that she's not invulnerable. Uh, so I was really excited to see them kind of being the world's finest couple, if you will, <laughs> because now they have to confront what the, the kids are going through, but also they have to deal with, you know, the same nonsense they've always dealt with. Someone's trying to work in from the sides on their life, and now they have uh, her dad butting his head in and saying, well, you know, you got to stop nuclear reactors from, from going off the grid, as one does. Yes. <laughs> and and I think it's a testament to you know to her place in this world that you know when there are layoffs at the planet Clark goes you know Clark's laid off not Lois you know yeah. uh, I yeah. think the the biggest the two biggest compliments I can pay this show one is and this was said in the early reviews and I was skeptical we talked about this in the minisode but it was likened to Friday Night Lights in in tone and and aesthetic and that's one of my all-time favorite shows and i was very skeptical I, was like, mm, I don't know and i watched it and it really and i again i know we had talked about this and i know you you weren't a fan of that but uh it, i've just never seen it yeah, I, right. I don't even i don't know if i'd like it or not i've just never seen gotcha. it gotcha uh but it really did capture that feel um especially in its depiction of the small town so um 
I, you know, honestly, I say with confidence, this really felt like a Superman story in the vein of Friday Night Lights. And I never, ever thought I would see something like that on TV and movies, certainly not from the Greg Berlanti CW factory. I didn't, <laughs> you know, it's like, I just never would have imagined that. So that's compliment number one. That's for, for me, that's high praise. Yeah. The other, and I want to know if, if you would agree with this, you know, look, we, we enjoy the Superman action, right? It's great. You want to have a sense of spectacle and scope and scale. It's great. But I really think, and this again is, I think one of the best compliments I can pay the show. I think that if it, the show were strictly from the perspective of the family unit and whenever Clark flies off to deal with the nuclear reactors, we didn't see that. And we just cut to the next scene where he was coming back. For me, I think the show would still work. Like I thought the family stuff and the farm stuff was so strong. Like, yeah, it was cool to see him fight you know, his, his mystery assailant and all that stuff and, um, you know, stop the nuclear reactor from melting down. Like all that stuff was great. It was fun. But I thought the heart of the show and that central conflict of, you know, trying to balance the superheroics with the family and the secret that he's been keeping from his sons. Uh, I thought it was so strong that it's like, if you, if you didn't even see him flying around all that much and it was really farm based and family based for me, it would still work. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, those scenes felt almost out of place, which is funny because you'd think in a Superman show, it's literally, it's defined by action. That's where we get action comics from. But at the same time, I almost wonder if they were setting you up for not having scenes like that going forward, because regardless of the fact that it doesn't look like your quote unquote typical Arrowverse show, you know, this was a pilot. This was clearly, there was a lot of money thrown at it. And I wonder if next week when we're watching it and you don't necessarily see all of the superheroic battle, it's like, oh, I didn't care because I'm more interested to see what Jordan's going to do next. Yeah, that is a great point. And I, you know, I was saying that to, to Steph as we were watching it. I was like, you know, and again, going back to the aesthetic, I'm like, this thing is gorgeous. But it's like, you know, they, yeah. they pour a lot of money into these pilots. It's like, I don't know how, you know, if they can sustain this moving forward. And, and I guess I could save this for the end, but I'll say it now. I think that's my only reservation about this show is that I thought it started off so well but a lot of the Arrowverse shows start off well. And I'm, my only concern is like it, it really has created such a, a distinct identity. And I just hope that it keeps it. That's all. You know, and I know, you know, they've announced that David Ramsey, who plays Diggle, he's going to be making guest appearances on all the shows this season, um, including Superman and Lois. And I just hope that and I love Dig, but I just hope that when we see him, it's Dig within this new world that's been created and it's not like, oh, hey, Arrowverse crossover. Like I, and I, I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and I hopefully that they'll, they'll be able to maintain this, this, um, this tone and the style that they've created because it's really cool. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I mean, I mean I'll, I'm all for, for mixing your genres, but at the same time, you know, you don't want Howard the Duck showing up in Watchmen. Like I get it. Like if Dig is going to show up, it'd be very nice if he not do a, a, a 10 minute summary of where the hour versus <laughs> up until this point. But at the same time, the last time we saw dig is he was selected to be Earth's green lantern. So if he wants to show up and be like, Hey, you want to know more about Krypton? That might be an elegant way of, of introducing the character. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not too concerned with that because I think one thing we, we have to keep in perspective with the Arrowverse is they are all B and C list characters. And I don't mean that in the sense that they're bad or they can't tell good stories. I mean that they're not the properties you make movies out of. Superman doesn't have that problem. Superman was in movies when the Arrowverse started. And I think that if they're going to give Superman a TV show like they've done, he's going to 
he's going to drive the train. You know what I mean? Like all the other shows are great, but I really don't think that Flash and Batwoman and Black Lightning and whatever else is still on screen, I don't think he's going to be following them. I, I think they know, you know, who's in charge for lack of a better term. And I really do think that the aesthetic they established here isn't something they're going to easily throw away just so they, they can get rid of a crossover. I mean, we've seen these characters interact with, I mean, forget Crisis, last year's Elseworlds where he wore the black costume before even Henry Cavill was. I'm like, that's that's my Superman. <laughs> like, I'm I'm committed, guys. Give me more of him. Yeah, no, well said. And I, I, I think you're I think you're spot on with that. And I think it's also really indicative that in the pilot there are no mentions of anything else in the Arrowverse. I mean, the closest that we get is this mystery armored assailant who we find out is Captain Luther at the end of the episode. Uh, from the you know little snippets of dialogue, it's, it, it appears this is a Lex from an Earth that was destroyed in crisis, right? But that's the closest we get to anything even touching the Arrowverse. Um, so I think that it was a very conscious choice, right? Like they want this to, to stand apart. And like you said, maybe to lead. And especially since a lot of the other shows are, you know, Black Lightning is ending, Supergirl is ending. You know, Flash has been renewed for season eight, but, you know, that's long in the tooth. I mean, you know, I think they if, if they are looking at this as sort of like the next the next era of, uh, you know, DC on the CW. I, I think you're right that this will be setting, will be charting the path for the rest of the shows, not the other way around. Yeah, I, I, I think that this is, my thought was, we call it the Arrowverse. Arrow ended, it had a very lengthy, good run. I, I think the last episode was actually very good, but Stephen Mel has gone. He's moved on to hopefully better things. Flash is great and all, but this is Superman. Everyone knows Superman. My mother knows Superman and Lois. Like my grandmother knew knew them. It's it's a different playing field, really. Um, but I want to switch gears because the ending was my favorite part of the entire episode. So when you are shown that it is Captain Luthor, that scene is very similar to one from um, a comic called Earth 2 by Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely from the late 90s, early 2000s, where Lex from uh, a world that, you know, doesn't have any superpower people who are good, he comes here and he looks for Superman, he looks for for help. Um, but this idea of, of, you know, he says to Clark when they're fighting, I'm also the survivor of a dead world. Uh, I, I'm, I've come here to measure you and everything else. And then, of course, the, the fact that reveal that he's, he's, he's not the Luther we were expecting, for lack of a better term. And it's like, that got me so excited because, like, forget... The Arrowverse, this isn't even a version of Lex Luthor we've seen before. Like, this is not the industrialist. This is not John Cryer. This is not, you know, my, my, my heart of hearts, Michael Rosenbaum. <laughs> this is something new. And based on the visuals and the dialogue, you're pulling from an amazing story. So I was, you know, I was on board before I saw that. And then I saw that. And then that was Nick Fury at the end of the first <laughs> Iron Man movie. It's like, I am committed to this. I'm with you. That was really cool. And, you know, if you had told, because we knew there was going to be a mystery villain, right? And I mean, look, there are only so many contenders, but, you know, if you had told <laughs> me like, oh, it's going to be Lex, I probably would have been like, all right, you know, we've seen, we've seen so many iterations. And again, for the two of us in particular, it's like, you know, we, we have such affinity for, for Rosenbaum. It's hard for any other one to touch that though. I will say, and I'm happy to say, man, was I pleasantly surprised by John Cryer. Yeah. I, you know, no. when they announced him, I, you know, I, yes, it was a nice nod that he was in Superman four and now he has a chance to come in. But, you know, I, I watched 12 years of two and a half men. I watched every episode, <laughs> I, you know, so the idea I just it was hard for me to to imagine him in that. And, and you know, they released the first photos of him with the beard and I was just like, I don't see it. And then he ended up he had a great take 
on the character. But at the same time, again, I'm glad they're doing something different. And like you pointed out, this was the thing that stood out to me the most. Um, you know, this idea that like I too am the sole survivor, like to give the, the Lex Clark dynamic that shared angle, I think is really cool and different than we've seen before. And, and, you know, obviously there have been other instances of Lex in armor, including the John Cryer version, but this one in particular felt especially menacing and like he really can go toe to toe with, with the Superman physically, which is often not the case with Lex in addition to being a master strategist and all of that. So yeah, I thought it was a really neat take on a Luther. I, I agree. There were a couple of things that I really liked about it. Um, one, usually when you see Lex in his battle suit, it's purple, it's green, it's got L's all over it. You know, <laughs> Lex wants you to know that it's him who beat you, and that's not the version we're seeing here. He's used a mask, which is something Clark has never had to rely on. He kept his secret from him. He really said, well, I'm going to use your tools against you. I'm going to have a secret identity. I'm going to build technology that can beat you around. I'm going to show you that I understand kryptonite. But also, even towards the end, when you first see the craft he's going towards, I thought it was the Fortress of Solitude. So I liked that visual of like, oh no, now Lex has a ship from wherever he hails from that is also in a place covered in snow and ice. And I was like, this is very interesting because as as Superman is trying to move past the way we understand him to be because he now has commitments as a, as a father and all this other stuff, Lex is kind of sliding in. And Lex is saying, well, you know what? Wait a second. I'm from a world that maybe I understand you a little bit better than you think. I'm going to use these tools against you. And it's like, well, Clark's not ready for this because before, Lex has always been very obvious when he's tried to kill him and he's done it in full view. This is different. And I'll be interested to see how Clark deals with that. Yes, I could not agree more. Uh, let's take a 30-second commercial break, and then uh, there's a lot more to unpack, especially about Smallville and the family dynamic. So uh, we'll dive into that uh, right after this commercial break. Movie lovers should check out this family of film festivals, the Brightside Tavern Film Festival in Jersey City, the Hang On to Your Shorts Film Festival in Asbury Park, and the Point Lookout Film Festival on Long Island. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals generally, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Also, be sure to listen to the podcasts hosted by the festival's organizer, C.J. Cullen. You can find the official Hang On To Your Shorts podcast, as well as the Cullen On Film podcast, via a shared universe network. And we're back. And uh, just a friendly reminder that Digging for Kryptonite is part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network, which also includes My Comic Shop History and My Comic Shop Book Club. My Comic Shop History is monthly. We currently have a year-long series called The Longer Halloween, where I'm reconnecting with uh, folks from the late, great comic shop alternate realities. Uh, and then we also have My Comic Shop Book Club, uh, which kind of speaks for itself. And there's a ton of extra exclusive content at the Anthony Desiato Patreon page. So if you want to support these endeavors and also get a bunch of extra episodes, uh, I encourage you to check that out. And thank you to everyone who already has. Mike, you are, of course, uh, an alum of alternate realities. Uh, you have not, we have not talked about this. You have not been slotted for longer Halloween because I'm really trying to use that show to catch up with the people I haven't been talking to and you, I have been talking to. And I've, I, I, I honestly, man, I really enjoy these conversations that I look for. I like this in particular, I was really looking forward to this, like just to, just <laughs> to be able to compare notes with you, uh, over these past couple of days since I watched it. So I, I'm, I'm so glad to have you on for this. Yeah, no, um, I, I've been very lucky in that all the, the friends I've made at that store, I, I've been able to keep in, 
in contact with. Uh, I saw our, our dear Steve Odo just the other day at, at, at our current LCS, All Year Comics. So, no, I, I've been very lucky in that I've been able to to keep in contact with the with the old crowd. Very nice. So, uh, so we'll dive back into the uh, the the pilot of of Superman and Lois. Uh, still a lot a lot to unpack. Did you ever think that? Uh, reverse mortgages would be such a big part of any Superman project. <laughs> I mean, they really give you a pretty in-depth tutorial. This was amazing because I am one of those people, you know, I'm old and, and I hit it hard and I cringe when I have to see like, when I have to deal with uh, more modern culture, I'm just, I'm setting my ways. It's the way I am. And, and it was so funny in this show to watch them take Superman, a character created in 1938 and update him so effortlessly for the modern era to the fact, to the point that Martha Kent got a reverse mortgage but was able to use it to help the community, which was falling down on itself. It's like, this is brilliant. Like, who wrote this thing? Like, I want more of this. Like, I want all you people writing action comics. Like, this was so good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that scene at the bank where, you know, Lana is breaking all of this down for them. It's like, oh like, whoa, this is, this is pretty, uh, this is pretty in-depth. And, you know, so that speaks to what I was saying before. I, you know... Smallville obviously represents something very specific in Clark's journey, right? It's where he comes from. It's where he, he gets all of his values and it comes from the Kents, but it also comes from the community, right? Like he grew up in a very specific atmosphere. And I think those values of, you know, being a neighbor, you know, being a friend, helping, I think that all comes from the town itself. And that's great. And that's still true here. But, you know, in most versions of the legend, you know, what Smallville remains moving forward is that idyllic, you know, place from his past that he can return to and nothing ever changes and it's quaint and it's beautiful. And, um, and I think this was so interesting that it's like, well, let's again, moving the mythology forward, right? Like let's now let's look at Smallville down the line a bit and especially through the lens of 2021. And it's like, you know, you see all these foreclosure signs on these places. And like you pointed out, right, Martha was helping out all these other, uh, you know, residents who were falling on, on, on tough times. I also thought, uh, that Lana's husband, Kyle, uh, had a really interesting point. And isn't it funny, no matter what version of the story we're talking about, Lana always starts off saddled to some douche. Always. Always. But, <laughs> but I, and I want to know what you thought, what you thought about Kyle, because I felt like he at least had a point of view that was different than we've, this wasn't like Whitney on Smallville, who's just like a jealous jock. Like, yeah. there was a little bit more going on here. I, I have to say that Kyle was the character that over the hour and a half, I changed my opinion on the most. Because when you first see him, there's that great scene with Lana's younger daughter saying, oh, that man, meaning Clark, that's the guy's Facebook page you were checking out. And that's what daddy Kyle got mad at. And at first I'm like, well, I don't need to know that Clark Kent has a Facebook page. Who cares? He's probably younger than I am at this point. And then I thought about it a little bit more and I'm like, but no, but that makes sense. You know, this isn't Lana, the weird cipher from back in the day. Like, this is a Lana who stayed in her hometown. She got a job at a bank. She raised two great kids. But Kyle was someone who, like, he he seemed like he should be Whitney. He seemed like he should be someone who I don't like. But he never actually said or did anything that made me not like him. And one of my favorite scenes is towards the end after there's a fire at the rave or whatever the kids are doing. And Clark makes a point of stopping Kyle and says, thank you. And Kyle is dressed in his full, like, 
firemen regalia. And like, that is, you know, Superman. I guys saved the world a hundred times. And it's like, no, he means that. Like, thank you. Thank you for like protecting my hometown, for being a firefighter, protecting Lana, for protecting these kids. And it was like, that landed for me. Like that whole thing. Like you want to be mad at Kyle, but he's not, he hasn't done anything wrong. It's like, no, if I were in his position, I'd probably feel the same way. So yeah, man, this this show just constantly kept surprising me. It's like, I can't believe this is about Superman. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like that's it. I mean, that's exactly it. That moment stood out to me too. I thought that that really said a lot uh, about Clark's character and, but all, but also about Kyle. And, you know, the, the other scene that really stood out was, you know, that kitchen scene with the two couples with Lois and Clark and, and Lana and, uh, and Kyle. And, you know, Kyle makes this point weirdly, uh, it's an odd tangent, but the same point was made in this week's episode of Riverdale as well. So it was a little bit of a theme on the CW, but anyway, uh, but he makes this point of like, you know, everyone else from high school has moved away. And he's like, you know, it used to be you would go off, you would get your degree, you would learn something, you would come back. Like you would put it back into the community that brought you up and you would improve your town. And I just, I thought that was an interesting idea and it added a layer of like believable antagonism beyond just like, oh, I caught my wife snooping on your Facebook page. It's like, well, there's that. (laughs) but There's also, you know, this idea like you abandon your home just as everyone else has. And I'm here, I'm a, you know, I'm a firefighter. Like I'm putting my life on the line and Going back to how this is a very different Smallville, you know, their daughter, Sarah, is telling Jordan Kent, like, you know, my dad sees a lot of messed up stuff, like when families are cooking meth and, you know, their trailer blows up. And it's like, this is a very different Smallville. And that made that very clear. Yeah, you you said something before that I hadn't thought of, but it's so perfect. In other stories, Smallville has got to remain innocent and pure because it's a place he remembers. It's a place that doesn't change that much. You only really see it when he needs, when Clark needs a boost, right? He, in the comics or in the cartoons, he used to go home. He would see his parents, Jonathan and Martha, they'd, they'd ground him. They'd set him right. But it's different now because they're both gone. You know, Martha's gone. Jonathan's gone. The town is in decay. You get to, it gets to be a real place. And, you know, the one thing that's, that stuck out to me was at the funeral scene, which takes takes place outside um the shots of both the kent farm and the surrounding smallville landscape you know i'm used to the smallville tv show where everything was beautiful and it was bright colors and you know john is on a tractor that's just the right amount of rust on it and it's so great but this was different this was like it was flat and the 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 landscape went out and it it was still beautiful in its own way but it was darker more dour more real and it's like oh, I get to actually see where Smallville ended up. Like, yeah, Clark saves the world all the time. But to Kyle's point, he doesn't necessarily come back and be like, well, am I helping this place the way I help places you guys will never be at? Yes. And I think that's what makes, one of the things that makes the show interesting is this idea that, you know, ultimately, right, you know, Clark and Lois decide to move the family there permanently after Martha's death. And, you know, the idea is that they'll, benefit from being on this place that was so special for Clark, but it goes both ways. It's like Clark also needs to help the town. So, you know, Smallville is there to kind of help the family, but it goes both ways. Um, So, uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I thought that was a really cool, you know, angle uh, for all of this. And and again, because look, when we did our mini show, that was my other concern was that I felt like it was stepping on the toes of our show Smallville. But, you know, I really, I don't feel that way now because this is a very different town than we saw on, on the television show that preceded this. Um, so yeah, I thought that was, that was a really, um, you know, a really nice touch for sure. 
Um, yeah, I mean, the other thing about, you know, Smallville, the show we watched, we were teenagers, or at least we were teenagers for part of it. Now we're adults, and now we're watching this, and it's like, oh, yeah, I, I, I kind of get that version of the town. Because, you know, you, you remember the other version as being more idealized, not just because it was presented that way, because that's how you remember it. You know, I only remember the really good stuff. And this is different. This is like, oh, yeah, this place continued to have a story after I stopped watching the original show. Now, obviously, it's not in continuity, but I feel like you know, all Superman stories are kind of shades of the same color. Um, so, yeah, just being able to watch a, a real town full of real people having a need and then Clark having a personal connection to that, it's like, this is so simple, but it's so good. It's like, of course, you know, Clark can go around the world and save everything, but anyone in his hometown who's suffering, he's going to do everything he can to try to fix that, but he might not be able to. You know, Morgan Edge aside, he just might not be able to, and I want to see what happens, so I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, totally. And, you know, it was funny. I loved the... Uh the the neighbor of theirs at the at the funeral who is talking to Clark and Lois about how like yeah like the can like you and your dad like used to like like harvest crops faster than any other farm <laughs> and then uh you know when he tells Lana that they're staying he's like yeah we're gonna run the farm you know the way you know the way my my family and I used to it's like yeah you get them to put those powers to 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 work there I what did you think about the fact that clearly in this iteration Lana was never privy to Clark's secret because I I feel a couple of ways about it. I'm curious what what your take was. You know, it didn't really surprise me because I get the feeling that this version of Clark didn't have maybe too many adventures when he was on the farm. Like I, I just the way they were talking and the way they were hinting at it. You know, in the in the in the continuity you're used to, which is like the death of Superman, like editorially famous excuse me, editorial famously got rid of Superboy. They wanted to say, no, 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 he he wasn't a superhero until he was an adult and he got to Metropolis and no one really knows what's going on. So I was kind of excited about that because it's like, well, you see the way the boys react to the secret and, you know, they obviously have a very personal connection to him, but Lana's had an entire life, you know, kind of looking back fondly on this relationship. What's she going to do if and when she finds out, maybe even just because of her daughter, that you know, Clark is this other person. Like, how is she going to react? So, I, again, it's like one of those things where it's like, I can't wait to see if that happens later in this season or a future season. Like, you actually have me curious. Yeah. I, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't disagree with any of that. And, and like I said, you know, I have a couple of thoughts on it, and especially now having watched it twice, because I guess my gut reaction was, you know, her not knowing, it does run counter to what, I've been used to between Smallville and the comics in, in modern times, right? So there's that, but that I can get over. That's not, whatever. You know, each project is going to have its own take. The The part that I disliked was, was it just, it, I thought of, I was like, man, like, how alone must he have been? You know, it, you know, the idea that it was like, at least he has Lana, like he has his first love and he's able to share who he is with her. Um, so, you know, that thought crossed my mind. But then the two other things that make me a fan of this choice. One is that, I think it is really special that it's Lois. Like Lois is the one that he tells, right? And it's it's not Lana. And that really, I mean, Lois would be in in her own category anyway. But I thought it's nice that like she has the honor. She's the only love that he's he's ever shared himself with in that way. So I thought that was cool. And to your point, 
yes, I'm sure she's going to find out <laughs> over the course of either this season or series. And when that happens, that gives them something new to mine as opposed yeah. to already starting from that point. Uh, so, so yeah, I'm with you on that. And uh, I, I also did appreciate the the friendship and the respect between Lois and Lana because it would have been real easy, real easy to just, uh, you know, pit them against each other. And I think that would have been so cliche and 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 uh, and weak so i thought it was nice that there was that respect between the two of them that was a nice touch i thought yeah i i agree i always liked stories when the two of them hung out because i hadn't thought about how alone clark probably was but it used to be that the two of them both knew the secret and that lana stayed his friend when he was an adult so they could kind of commiserate on that you know when lois would eventually find out it's like who else can I talk to? And it's like, well, you could talk to Batman or my mom. It's like, oh, and my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> and, you know, in most cases, you wouldn't want your wife hanging out with your ex-girlfriend. But in this case, it's like, yeah, you know, you're in a very, uh, you're part of a very small club. So that that is a good point. Like, I'm glad that they're still friends, even though they don't have that in common. And, yeah, maybe Lois will be the one to help her get through that when she eventually does find out. Yeah. And, you know, like you said before, I love that Lois has her own mission, right? Like she's investigating Morgan Edge and we're only just scratching the surface of that in the pilot. I mean, I know we'll, we'll get a lot more of that as, as we move forward. But yeah, I thought that was cool. I mean, obviously the two of them are trying to navigate being parents uh, and now moving the family after this death in the family. Um, but, you know, Clark now has Captain Luther to contend with, and he doesn't even know who he's facing yet. Uh, so we're a step ahead of him in, in that respect. And Lois has her own investigation of Morgan Edge. So, so again, I, I really like that. And, it, you know, it lives up to the, the title of the show, right? It really is the two of them. Yeah. I will say, and I want to know what you think, I've really warmed to, to Tyler Hecklin's Clark and Superman. I'm, I'm, I'm fully on board with, with that with one little one little gripe it's very minor uh i'm still i'm still not totally sold on elizabeth tullock as as lois i don't dislike her but i just feel like you know and maybe it's not fair to hold her up to different versions of the character but i feel like it's it's natural to um i just feel like especially looking at you know Terry Hatcher and, and Erica Durant, you know, the two who played her most recently on television for an extended period of time. I just feel like we saw more dynamic range in their character. And I feel like in this pilot in particular, we don't we don't get so much of that with her lowest. But hopefully as the series unfolds, we'll, we'll get there. But I mean, are you are you like totally on board with the two of them now in, in these in these roles? I, I'm totally on board with them as the characters. I, I think they did a great job. They were both easily recognizable uh, as those characters. I I really, really like Tyler. And I think a large part of that is just that while I think Henry Cavill is a great actor, I hate watching those movies. And I love watching Tyler because he smiles. He really seems to enjoy being Superman and, and inhabiting that role and being part of this, regardless of what he's doing in the scene. So I, I am on board with that. As far as uh, Elizabeth goes, I just feel like I need to see more of her because I just haven't seen a lot. Like, I really, I didn't see much of her on Supergirl. She's only in one or two scenes in the crossovers. So I just, I want to see more of her. But from what I saw this episode, I thought it was great. Um, I think Erica Durance is probably going to be my favorite Lois, even if there are a hundred more people who occupy that character, just because I think she's great. So that's not, a, I wouldn't make that comparison, but I think she's, I think she's very good and I'm very excited to see where she goes. I, I loved all the scenes in the newsroom because they felt like a version of Lois we hadn't seen before. You know, a lot of people do that, um, 
that that shorthand where it's like, oh, Lois can't spell or, or something like that <laughs> to try to connect it to a different version of the character. This felt different. This felt like, well, we know her name is Lois Lane, but aside from that, this is her own version of the character. She's constantly on the phone. She's working stories. She's running their life, really. I mean, she she there's a whiteboard in the background. She's doing uh, uh, the kids' day-to-day stuff. Like, all of that hit home. It's like, oh, yeah, you are really organized and brilliant and the fact that your husband is superman is like number five or number 10 on your to-do list for that day you have other more important stuff so so far i think she's doing great i just i'm really excited to see where her arc goes yeah and i guess that's the thing i i I suppose it's less of an issue with her portrayal and more that i just want to see different sides of her and i feel like she i just feel like she popped a little bit more when she was even though they were shorter you know she didn't have as much screen time but in the previous Arrowverse crossovers but then I say to myself well you know this is a Lois you know down the line a little bit and you know she's a mom and she's dealing with a lot so it's like yeah maybe she's you know not uh you know not quite maybe as light as as she might have been in the in the you know um in the previous appearances I don't know but uh, well, actually, that's that's a very good point because usually when we meet Lois and certainly you know, this is true in, in Smallville it's like she jumps head first into danger because she wants the story. And certainly when she realizes that the man of tomorrow is willing to save her, she kind of takes a lot of risks. It makes her a very interesting character. But now it's different. You know, now she knows there's a very good chance that her husband might not come home one day and she might not be able to tell anyone the reason why. And these kids need a mother no matter what. So I, I kind of bought the, again, the more like, I won't say reserved because I, I think the fire is still there. I mean, the fact that she's able to just be like, oh, Morgan Edge, good, my enemy has a name. By the end of the episode, you know, she's halfway to figuring out what the heck is going on. I loved that. But yeah, definitely this is a this is a different, more mature Lois. Um, but I, I think the, the kernel of what I love about that character, regardless of who's portraying her, is, is still there. W- one thing I really liked, and I don't know if I'm just reading too much into it, is the um, the outfit that she is wearing when you first see her in the newsroom when uh, in the flashback where Clark says, oh, you're the first Lois I've met or something to that effect. She's wearing like a very classic uniform. It looks like the the costume she's drawn in. Um, there's, a, there's a comic called Bombshells where various uh, DC uh, superheroines are drawn into a more classic Golden Age style. And I don't know if I'm just reading too much into it, but her outfit looked exactly like the one she is there. So I kind of perked up and I'm like, oh, I... You know, that might be a reference that might not. Either way, I'm on board. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't make that connection. But uh, but yeah, maybe there is something to that. I think that, yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, overall, I, I've, I've definitely warmed to the two of them. Him him more so than her, but I'm getting there. The, my only gripe, and this is such a superficial, silly one, but the padding in, his, in the costume, uh, in, the, in, the, in the chest and shoulders in particular, I just feel like... Uh, it's just a, it's a little bit much. I don't know. I, and this is maybe being a little nitpicky and I'm not saying, you know, he has to have the physique of, of Henry Cavill, right? That's okay. Um, and certainly he's in, you know, he's in great shape as it is. And that's the thing. If he were, I just feel like you don't need to add anything cause it just looks, I don't know. It, it, uh, it stood out to me. I don't know. I don't know if that was something that like even crossed your mind but that was no. no i i didn't i didn't i didn't know it was padded honestly i, I mean i'm, I'm so, almost I'm, positive it's just like and you look at him out of the costume and in the costume it's just like shoot i don't know you're you're probably right i just i always think in my head that when he's dressed as clark he's trying to be frumpy so mm. i guess i just wrote 
any physique that he had while he was in costume to the fact that like, oh yeah, that kind of looks the way he looks. But things like that, padding in the costume, I I never noticed that type of stuff. So you're you're probably right. But no, it didn't occur to me. No, fair enough. And I will say I really I dig the new costume a lot. I think it's a lot stronger than the the previous arrow version, arrow arrowverse version, which was fine. Yeah. Um, but I thought this was this was cool. Um, and the fact that we got multiple costumes, like we talked about before, that you got the classic one in this, I thought that was, um, you know, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, what I mean, there's a couple of other things that I want to talk about, but what else What else really stood out to you about the pilot? For, for me, this episode was the story of Jordan Kent. I mean, I, I know that in the comics, Jonathan Kent is Superboy and he's a big deal. And, and a lot of my friends who are comic book fans really like the character. I never got it, um, but whatever. I totally connected with Jordan. Uh, when Clark walks into his room and he turns down the music and he tries to connect with him and you see that he's playing the Mortal Kombat versus DC superheroes video game. And at first you think he's Superman fighting the character Raiden. And then he tells his dad, no, Superman is boring. I'm Raiden. And Clark like kind of sheepishly backs out of the room and Jordan's not trying to be mean again. He doesn't know his father is Superman, but I was just like, you know, that is me. <laughs> Granted I'm bald. I don't have his, his luxurious head of hair, but it's like this idea of like, you, you get to a certain point where you're like, no, I, I don't like Superman. His life is probably very easy and everything else. And to watch Clark have to hear that out of his son who he wants to be honest with, but hasn't been so far was like, God, that must've hurt more than doomsday. That must've hurt more than anything else. And from that scene onward of Jordan's entire arc with, you know, connecting with uh, Sarah Cushing, Lana's daughter on, on the medication and their shared experiences. And then ultimately the, the big reveal for me, the climax of the pilot, which is when you find out that he's the one with superpowers, it's like, this is, this is brilliant because you expect John to have powers and you expect him to become like his father. But Jordan's had a different life experience. You know, in, in Batman terms, Jordan is more Jason Todd, the second Robin, the one who had a very uh, inglorious end and came back, who's always been my favorite Robin because I felt like that was a more interesting arc. That was more believable. You know, in real life, people, they screw up. So I was very excited for Jordan because it's like, well, now you have all of your father's powers you don't necessarily have his, I don't know, his, his sense of presence, his sense of way to connect to other people. And I can't wait to see where that goes. At first, before it was Luthor, I thought that the masked man was going to be Jonathan from the future. And I thought that maybe when he was telling Superman that he was the sole survivor and he had to wear armor because he didn't have any powers, it's like, well, maybe Jonathan was being like, well, my this world's going to die because my idiot brother has superpowers and you couldn't stop him. And now I'm traveling back in time to fix things. Obviously, that wasn't the case, but there was a good half hour there where I was like, oh, did I, did I figure this out? I did not. Oh, dude, that's... That would have been a cool twist. I mean, we, you know, I like the Captain Luther thing, but I don't know, man. I, <laughs> I think that's cool. No, I mean, like, so I'm with you. I, I, and, and again, this is, you know, we're almost, we're 55 minutes in and we're really only now just talking about <laughs> the kids, but. It's what we do. I mean, but, it's our thing. But they're such, they are such a huge part of this. And, um. Yeah, I, the the fact that it ends up being Jordan with the powers, I think that's uh, a great choice and will give them a lot to mine. I thought it was, you know, I, I, it wasn't a huge shock. I mean, it felt like such a red herring that, it, you know, it, of course it seems like it's Jonathan. And, and, you know, so 
again, as far as a, a reveal goes, it didn't, it wasn't necessarily mind blowing, but it was, it was, it was still a good payoff. And I, I think it'll give them a lot to explore. You know, one of the misgivings I had was going into this was this idea that the kids somehow didn't know that their dad was Superman, but all in all, I'm okay with that. And I thought that they, um, they, they played it well in the episode. And obviously that was a big source of tension between Clark and Lois deciding whether or not to tell them. And, and obviously it was a, a difficult choice and a big choice that they had made. And, you know, it really gave us that powerful moment and fallout when they do eventually find out. The only thing is like, and I don't know, they being nitpicky, but it's like, and you know, our kids are little, they don't know yet what's going on. But like, could you, like, if you had powers, like when your daughter's a few years old, like, do you think there's any scenario where you're living in the same house and you're somehow like <laughs> never showing uh, that you have that? I don't know. It was a little I, tough to buy, but like, I, I could get behind it. It's okay. <laughs> no, it, it was tough, but I, I think, you know, you got to hang your hat on the, on what you just said, which is it, it's really the only point of tension between yeah. Lois and Clark. I mean, all the things they've been through, all the stories that are hinted at, you know, a long life of both being uh, uh, reporters, living, you know, they're, they're basically living in New York. I mean, you and I are used to the city, but for people who haven't lived and worked here, it's like, it's unlike anything else. It's like, it, it puts a strain on you. And those two kids growing up here, they would have been distracted by a lot. Um, but I do True. like the fact that they disagreed on that. Uh, and now they have to pay the price. So while I agree that, yeah, okay, maybe it's weird that the twins didn't think something was going on. Uh, at the same time, that reveal where, where Jordan turns to his father and says, you know, I'm half human and then I'm half whatever the hell you are. It's like, again, like that must have hurt Clark in a way that no punch or no sci-fi element is going to. So I thought it just like, yeah, please, more of that. Yeah, I, I came around on it for sure. And you know what what really in that in that scene where they have that confrontation, the other thing that really stood out is, you know, we've, it's established early in the episode that Jordan has uh, social anxiety disorder and he's being medicated for it. And, you know, he throws this out to his parents where he's like, you've made me think like I'm crazy, like, you know, lying to me all the time. And, you know, we haven't seen it yet. But yeah, maybe there were instances where it's like, hey, how come dad was fine when he fell down. And it's like, oh, you make up some excuse and like it messes with his head. And, you know, Lois is quick to, to tell Clark, like, no, like that's not why he has anxiety. But I don't know, as a viewer, you do kind of think like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe this was not the healthiest environment for these two kids to grow up in being constantly lied to like that. So, um, so it, it's interesting. And I mean, you really see Clark wrestle with this. It's like, well, am I a bad father? Like he asks and he genuinely doesn't know, like, am I a bad father? Yeah. You know, so I, I, am. I loved all of that. And then the added benefit of having at the very least Jordan, possibly Jonathan get their powers in a moment of stress huh. during puberty is you have this great X-Men analogy where it's just like, you know, he's Jonathan's, uh, excuse me, Jordan is at that party and he's in a, in a relationship that he reads wrong. By the way, when the guy, when the, when Sarah's boyfriend shows up, I actually laughed out loud. I'm like, that's stupid, but it's hilarious. <laughs> but to have that be the moment where the, the superpower presents itself and to have no one be really sure a, what the full extent of your powers are and B what's going to trigger it reminded me of the X-Men, but also reminded me of what Clark went through in the Smallville show where he would get one power at a time and no one ever knew what was going to cause it and kind of getting control over that, especially in moments of heated emotional stress is part of the journey because, you know, when you don't have 
Clark as a teenager, he's almost like Jesus. You get him as a kid, right? right? He pops out of the spaceship and he's got some kooky stuff. And then the next time you see him, he's in his 20s meeting this you know, beautiful brunette and starting this journey. So it's kind of interesting to see Jordan in the middle being like, what the hell am I? What was that? What comes next? And oh, good. I just figured out how to be, you know, quote unquote, normal person. Now I got to figure out how to be like, not Superboy. Like, thanks, dad. I needed this. Yeah. No, you know, the Jesus analogy is apt. And I, I have an episode coming out probably later this spring or summer with a former customer from Alternate Realities who's a minister. And uh, oh, okay. I, I want to talk about these uh, these these religious uh, parallels because it's true. And, you know, you look at the Superman, the movie in particular, and it really is the Jesus story. It's like you get his arrival on Earth, you know, or the birth of Jesus, right? You visit with him once during adolescence, just like you do with Jesus in the Bible, and then he reappears as an adult. Like it really hits, like it really hits those beats. Uh, so... Again, I think, you know, that's why the Smallville TV show was so interesting because you get to fill in that all that time. And and yeah, now Jordan's, you know, on a similar path here. Uh, and yeah, it really, you know, it really hit home, uh, you know, when when Clark and Jordan have that that heart to heart on the on the steps outside, you know, after everything's you know out and they know about, you know, Jordan's powers. And he's like, you know, and he talks about Jonathan, you know, the, <laughs> the grandpa, the original Jonathan, uh, you know becoming a father in an instant and really not knowing what to do, but he was just there. And, um, you know, and that, and that really resonated, um, you know, with, with me, uh, you know, you and I were talking off mic, but you know, my wife and I, like, you know, we're, we're still in this, well, we're all in this pandemic, but you know, she and I have been working from home and, you know, we're trying to figure out, you know, once that's not necessarily the case, like, what are we going to do? And, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, what choices do, do I need to make to make sure that I'm where I want to be, you know, for, for our son. Um, and so that really hit home and, and, you know, I thought it was, again, we know the premise of the series is that they're going back to Smallville, but I thought the pilot did a great job of explaining why, you know, they felt this was the right choice for their family. And, um, and I know, you know, and, and we see it in the previews, but even just from the context of this episode, you know, you know, that this is going to be a, you know, a, a bit of a, you know, a dilemma for Clark as he's moving forward, these dual responsibilities that he has, um, you know, and, and, and really being torn between them. So I'm curious to see how that plays out, you know, as they're moving forward, you know, this, this, his desire to be present for them, yet the responsibilities that, that await him. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm very excited by the fact that this show sells you on the family drama before anything else, you know, the, mm. the, the Luthor, the general lane, the nuclear power plants, the whatever else is going on is all happening in the background. All it does is provide a parallel story for what is going on with the family dynamic. And that is so crucial because that's where you're invested. And this show did a great job at selling you on that and saying, well, you do want to know what happens next with the kids. They're not just who he comes home to. They're not the B plot. You know, they are right. the A plot and all the super stuff is the B plot. And I feel like all of the best superhero stories in science fiction are able to do that. So I just, again, like whoever came up with this, like great job. Yes. I think that's a great way of putting it about like really where the, where the show's focus and, and what its priority is. And I, I think that's a hundred percent. It really is the family dynamic. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like we were saying before, um, you know, even if it's like budget driven, right? Like, you know, we, we might not necessarily get the nuclear reactor scenes every week, (laughs) but I think that's one of the, it's one of the benefits of, of these adaptations, especially on television where there are limitations on, 
how much spectacle you can have, it forces them to really focus on more of the the human connections. And, you know, they're also trying to appeal to a wide audience, people who aren't just into comics. And so as much as you and I love the comics, you know, there is a degree of action that I think you kind of always have to have. Whereas with the TV show, I think you can kind of, you can have more of a balance and you can have, and I'm sure we will have on the show episodes where the Superman stuff is pretty light. And, you know, I think I read an interview where they, basically confirm that and I think they said like there might I think the gist of it was you know it won't necessarily fall into the traditional formula of a superhero television show where we have a big battle in the third act or something like that and and I hope that's the case like if there's an episode where you know there's no big bad or no battle that's fine I you know I I think the show works uh, from just the one episode that we've seen I think there's enough there you know which is uh which which is great but that's also a credit to the genre that it operates in, because I feel like if you had told people that 10 years ago, and it's like, well, there's not going to be a lot of superheroes, mostly family drama, we'd all be like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> then why are you calling it Superman? But now we have so much of that. We have so many other offerings that it's like, oh, okay, we're, we're going to dial it back and we're going to focus more on the characters. Well, that's great. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> it's like, you know, we're breathing such rarefied air that we can just watch this show and be like, oh, yeah, I really want to see how, you know, Clark deals with his kids. It's like, wait, what? what? No, the, he's got to fight the parasite or something. But I'm I'm with you. I, I'm very excited by the fact that it's like, yeah, he's going to deal with this crap. And that's uh, that's that's more interesting on an ongoing basis than just the the freak of the week because one of the the you know the defining characteristics of superman is that he's pretty strong so you know it's difficult on an ongoing basis to present him with you know realistic threats especially on a, on a tv show budget so that stuff's going to be in the background and the stuff in the foreground is going to be like oh wow the sun you don't feel close to almost burned down the barn and you can't tell everyone why like that that i get that that's that's the stuff that's going to be pulling me in yeah, no, a hundred percent. Yeah, I'm. I'm really excited to to see where they go and to see how all of this unfolds. You know, I also wanted to say, you know, talking about the the, the kids. First of all, it was it was so funny to me, and I know I keep referencing Smallville, but the, it, it, I, I can't help it. But the fact that you know the. I mean, Tom Welling in particular and the other actors were so much older than the characters they were playing and didn't, I mean, Tom Welling in no world looked like a 15 year old. (laughs) It's, it's so funny to see these kids and they really look and feel like kids, uh, you know, like 14 or 15 year olds. Um, it, it was, it was funny. Uh, I, I just, I had to note that, but, um, I thought that, I thought the casting was great. I thought the two of them were terrific. And what I really liked about the dynamic with the brothers is that, Yes, there is antagonism there, and they are very different people. But you see the love, and you see the bond. Um, you know, especially you know from from Jonathan, who's the one who, you know, seemingly could easily just be dumping on Jordan all the time. But you know, he brings him food to take with his pill when they're at Martha's funeral, and uh, you know, he's ready to you know uh, jump on top of him in the barn when all those poles are falling. He shows up at the quarry to you know break up the fight when Jordan's getting beat up. Like he's really there for his brother, and you you know you see that. And so I thought. Just like with the Lois-Lana relationship, I think it would have been real easy to just fall into a, a purely antagonistic relationship. And they, they and I, but I think it's also a testament to Lois and Clark. Like clearly they've done, you know, whether or not they should have told the kids about Clark's secret, that's a question. But beyond that, I mean, it seems like generally they've done a good job and you see that in the way the two brothers interact despite the issues that they have. Yeah, I, I agree. I like Kyle 
this show constantly kept <laughs> making me assume one thing and then rewarding me with something else. Like with Jordan, I'm like, oh, okay, great. He's going to act out. He's going to be a little weird. You know, we'll have to deal with that. But I kept getting these scenes and I kept getting these moments where it's like, oh, no, you're allowed to have more than just one or two dimensions. Like you're a fully realized person. Like when you act out, the show is treating it as coming from a very emotional place. It's not your one defining characteristic. And again, the the whole show felt very mature, not not even just for a CW show, but just for a show in general. It's like, no, these these characters are all very well defined. And like it may be about Superman, but no one is is one dimensional. Um, which was great because yeah, at, at the quarry scene where Jonathan comes back to protect his brother, it didn't just feel like this is my brother and I have to do this. It's like, no, he didn't do anything wrong and I want to show you why. Like a very Superman thing to do. So you can see the influence of both their parents on the kids, even if to your point, they don't know their dad is the man of tomorrow. So yeah, well again, well done. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's, and that's the thing, like the more so, and again, I, I don't mean to keep, uh, you know, hitting on the rest of the Arrowverse, but you know, I guess, I guess part of it is that when you look at most of the other Arrowverse shows, especially now, they didn't all, they didn't all necessarily start this way, but at this point on almost all of them, you know, it's like everyone in the cast is part of the team, like whatever the team is. And maybe this show will get to them. But, you know, at, at least at this point, they really do feel more fully realized. And it's not, oh, a Team Superman show. It's like, no, like everyone's got their, they got their own thing. And I yeah. think that makes it interesting. And it, it definitely feels way more real. And, you know, going back to the look of the show, uh, you know, when, when they did um, the Elseworlds crossover a couple of years ago on the Arrowverse, um, you know, it was exciting for us as Smallville fans, right, that they used the old uh, Kent Farm location, yeah. right? Like, it was cool, and they played Remy Zero, and they showed the same establishing shots, and we were on the farm, and, you know, it was, the the, the colors were, you know, amped up, and it was real warm and bright, and, and it was it was lovely. Um, yeah. But I'm glad that they found a different location for the farm, and uh, again, we have this more muted color palette, and it just really yeah. lends itself to the realism that they're going for. Um, so I really, I really did think that was cool. And, um, yeah, the dynamic with the brothers, I, you know, I really found was, was especially strong and, you know, I know we've mentioned Martha, um, but you know, her passing of course is the catalyst for, you know, for them coming back and then, and then deciding to stay. And, um, what, what was your take on, um, on the scene where, where he, you know, he races to the house and he finds her. Cause that really, that really made, uh, made an impression for sure. Actually, the, the scene that jumped out at me. Uh, the most was during the montage where she gets the ability to unwrap the sonogram pictures and she realizes she's going to be a grandmother. And I thought, what a great scene that we so rarely get in any media for this character. You know, we see the the nonsense that Martha has to put up with, you know, losing her husband nine times out of 10, uh, constantly worrying if her son is you know, going to come home or, or have to deal with all this crap. But like to sit there in her home and watch her only son and his wife say, I'm pregnant. You're going to be a grandmother. It's twins. Like what a rewarding experience. It's like, I, you know, sh she had a pass from the premise of the show. I understand that. But at the same time, it's like she got something, no version of that character gets. She got that moment of being able to say, oh, wait, you know, we raised this kid and now we're going to be able to see the next generation. And she, she was grandma. She, she knew these kids, she knew everything was going to be okay. So I just, I thought that was great. Um, but when, when Clark comes through the door and the doctor goes, how did you get here so quickly? And you can just see like, 
Oh, he didn't even think about that because it's his mother. Yeah. And again, that was just a very honest, small moment. Like, yeah, he could have said something. He could have waved it away. But in that moment, you could almost see like, well, he doesn't care. It's like, well, it's his mom. He had to be there for his mom. And I just, I thought like, what a great way of showing me something about this character without even having him say anything. I just, oh, I enjoyed it so much. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you and it, you know, the scene where, where he, you know, zooms in and exactly what you just described. And then he goes into the room and he, you know, he just, you know, kind of kneels there next to her, you know, it really, even though he didn't say anything, but, you know, very much called to mind, um, you know, Superman, the movie when, when Pa dies and, you know, that, that powerful moment at, at his grave where he tells, you know, Martha, he's like, you know, all these things I can do and I couldn't save him. And so, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really, it was an emotional start to the show where, uh, again, another reminder to him and to the audience that, you know, his powers are not, you know, limitless. And this was a very, again, going back to the relatability, this was a very real, uh, you know, loss and something that, you know, many people have, have dealt with. So, uh, but I am glad too, that, uh, they had that conversation the night before. I, I was glad that the, the, both of them had that opportunity. The last thing they said was, you know, I love you. I love you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and, um, and you know, she really, again, even to the end, you know, the Kents are always kind of, you know, set, I, I don't know why I did the fist. That's not, <laughs> it's, it's not that, but you know, they're always setting him straight. Right. And, and kind of yeah. giving him that check of like, you know, you're as much as the world needs you, you know, the family, the, your family needs you more. Um, so yeah, it was great. As far as other family members, I, I, I actually found again, the, the, how this show surprises you. I found the Sam Lane, uh, Clark dynamic, uh, kind of refreshing as well. This is the mo the friendliest I think <laughs> we've seen uh, Sam Lane. But the fact that he he knows who Clark is and they're more allies again. There is certainly the, and I think that tension is going to get ramped up uh, yeah. in, in in the episodes to come where you know Clark is trying to stay on the farm more and and you know Sam wants him out in the field. It seems like that's kind of where they'll be going. But uh, but yeah, I thought that was cool that they were more allies than antagonists the way it, it's often been depicted. I I agree. I I thought it was very elegant to say, well, you know, Sam and Lois don't necessarily get along, and we need someone to be able to call Clark into battle as Superman. And it was so elegant to just say, well, General Lane's been around forever. He's going to be that influence, and he's also going to be the boy's grandfather. And it was like, oh, this is great. You've bridged the two worlds in a very believable way. And again, you've set up that future conflict. Because I love that General Lane and Lois both have the, you know, for lack of a better term, the, the, the Jimmy Olsen signal watch, except now it's like a cigarette lighter or something. <laughs> I love that. But again, I love the idea that Sam's got one. And if he calls you, you know, they're very, again, I love the way it was shot, but you see he's, he's a four-star general. Like this is not like some random guy in the military. This like general lane has been like chairman of the joint chiefs. Like this is a guy who, who knows what's going on. So if he's calling clerk, it's probably not for nothing. And when Lois says, well, you shouldn't go, you need to be here for the family. Like that is a real struggle with clerk. Cause you know, he famously always says, well, I can hear when people are in trouble and it's like, yeah, but you know, you gotta be here for them. They're your first priority. And it's just such an elegant way of establishing that conflict. So I, I thought it was great, great use of that character. Yeah, like I know you really got to give them credit because it um, and again, like you, you do see you see more antagonism between Lois and Sam than you do between Clark and Sam. And and there's even the scene, you know, where Lois and Clark are debating about telling the boys and Clark's like, well, your father thinks I'm right. 
<laughs> you know, so uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. Like it's it's definitely a different dynamic. I thought that was cool. I mean, where do you fall? Like, do you think Lois and because my Steph and I were talking about this? Like, do you think Lois and Clark should have told the boys from the start about who their dad is and that they might have powers, or do you think Clark was right in in trying to protect them from it as long as possible? You know, it, it's very interesting because I I feel different now that I've seen the show than I did beforehand. Because beforehand I was like, well, why wouldn't you tell them up front, like having that knowledge might save their lives. You know, you don't know what's going to happen in your in your life. But seeing that they got the benefit of a pretty normal childhood where they weren't exposed to everything else made them very like, I don't want to say relatable characters, but it made them much more normal. They weren't like two kids with this random secret. And the dynamic wasn't about whether or not they would accidentally tell someone or how it affected them. It's like, it's almost a gift that they gave the kids by saying, well, listen, we're going to keep this nonsense from you because we think it's dangerous and we want you to, to be free of it. So as a parent, it's almost like, yeah, that makes sense. You want to protect them from everything, especially this thing. Um, but also, I just, again, the reveals were so good because it's just like they're staring at him. They're like, we've met Superman or we've seen Superman or this, that, and the other thing. And he's got to do that thing he does in other stories where he reveals his identity. Normally, it's to Lois or someone like that. And here it's to his kids who are mad at him. And I just thought that that was a great use of a scene we've seen so many times before. So, again, I, I flipped from before I started watching it to now. Yeah. And, I, you know, I don't know. I don't, I still don't know fully where I land, I guess. I don't disagree with anything you said, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I think there, I think there is something to, you know, protecting them from that and, and protecting the secret. Cause there is that aspect of it too, which Clark says, it's like, you know, if they slip up once, you know, the whole world knows. And, you know, we're just at the point now where our son is like starting to talk but, but like, you know, when he gets a little older and actually, you know, you see that in the show, right, where uh, Lana and Kyle's little girl, uh, you know, spills the beans on this fight between her parents. And that's a very little thing. But it's like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, what if her dad were Superman and she had blown that? So, yeah, I don't know. I think I do kind of ultimately land on the side of it was the right call to to keep it a secret. Um yeah, I, I I guess I do. I also thought it was cool when this is very small, but when uh, you know Clark starts to explain himself, it's not I'm Superman. Like he he kind of walks them through <laughs> uh, the yeah. the beats of who he is and how he got here. Um, like he never needs to say I'm Superman. They you know they they can put it together again. A little moment, but I thought it was uh, thought it was neat. Yeah, I I agree. I. I... I expected him to, I don't know, rip open his shirt or take the glasses off or something and to, to go through the beats to try to connect with them and walk him through what he is and how what they now know about him connects him to who they've always known him to be was so well done because it was very emotional. But Clark doesn't really get angry. He's certainly not going to get angry at the kids. If anything, he's angry at himself for creating this situation. But he's still ready. He's still ready to say, no, 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 this is what I am, who I am, and where I'm from, to the best of my knowledge. But also, this is how I got from there to being the person you've always known me to be. Like, I'm not keeping something from you because I think that, um, you know, I think it would be dangerous. I, I didn't do this to hurt you, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, he's still Superman. He's still super empathetic, and he's still super caring. And to see that carry through even in a moment of great stress is just, like, I bought that. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I could see that as his way of explaining that to his kids. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, so anything else that, that you wanted to talk about, about the pilot that we didn't get to? Uh, the only other thing I'll, I'll say is I, I like the, the, the shots of the town. I like, you said this a little bit before, but just really seeing Smallville as a place where people live and that it's not just going to be uh, either, you know, everyone's great and, and things are the way you, you, you think they should be because you're never going to be here. But to, you know, to see like the kids at the quarry, to see the way uh, Sarah had to be raised, to see Kyle, to see everything else. It's like, you sold me on this place. You sold me on this place that normally isn't a place the story takes place in it, it's the place that takes place around and here it's like oh no i i really want to know what's going on if we're going to be living with these characters then it's like you know make it interesting and, and they did that and again i just i couldn't believe it because it's like well smallville is smallville it's just this place he came from but now it's like oh no it's this place he's going to live and it's going to really impact what happens going forward so i just i really appreciated about that and again that wasn't something i was expecting to happen I couldn't agree more. And just to piggyback off of that, you know, the the town of Smallville and the idea of Smallville has always been, you know, critical to me as a Superman fan, in part because of the TV show, but also, as I've talked about before, you know, really seeing the character as Clark on the farm being the, the essence of who he is, right? And then there's, the, the, you know, both Clark the reporter and Superman, there's an element of disguise in both, but when he's on the farm, like, that's really who he is. And, you know, over the course of the 10-year Smallville television series, you see how the events of that town shaped him and made him the hero he is. So, you know, as a fan, it's like, I always I always love Smallville, but as we've said multiple times, like, it, it's only really served one function in the story once he leaves Smallville. And this show gave it a new relevance in a very unexpected way. And the idea that, again, Clark needs to save this town that gave so much to him, but also that small, like Smallville's not done with him in terms of helping him either. It's like, just as th this was the place where he was able to discover his powers and, and, and again, cultivate all of these values that make him Superman, it's like now this is the place where he can really build his family and reconnect with his family. So... It's again, like I know I keep saying this, but it just um, it, it it really I'm so impressed by how it moved the mythology forward. Like it's it's taken us to a new place. Uh, like I, I'm really excited. Like I'm totally on board for for the rest of the season. I hope I hope they they keep it up. I hope that as we've said, I really hope that the family dynamic remains you know priority one and the A story, and you know. If we get stories where he's like barely in costume, whether it's budget wise, you I mean know, budget motivated yeah, or a story, yeah. either way, that's fine by me. Um, do, do you have any other, you know, hopes or predictions uh, moving forward over these next? Uh, I think they're doing fifteen episodes. I think so over the next like fourteen episodes. Yeah, that's what I saw. I uh, honestly, if I could see that golden age costume one more time <laughs> before the end of the season, I, I don't even care what the context is. Just. Something from from his previous years. I, I enjoyed that so much. I, I love knowing that there was an entire uh, uh, Superman life, basically this 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 great adventure that happened while the kids were being raised. Um, I I would love to see more of that, just because it would be a nice dynamic. Like, what risks is a younger Superman or a younger Lois willing to take, as opposed to now when again they have kids and they have a lot more invested and they're more worried about not being there 
for for Jonathan because uh, excuse me for Jordan based on what he might do if they're not. So it's like, well, you know, give me that, give me that, uh, that that dynamic, give me that comparison. So I would like to see more of that. I'm hoping they didn't just make that costume for thirty second shot, but you never know on these things. So one more scene of that would be great. Yeah, I mean, hopefully you'll get your wish. I uh, I would not be opposed to that. And I mean, I you know, to be honest, it's like I wouldn't be surprised. Like that's the thing. You know, we only have the pilot to go by. I mean, I don't know if flashbacks are going to be part of, you know, the storytelling moving forward, either on a regular basis or sporadically. I mean, again, I don't expect this is going to be like Arrow where, we, you know, we constantly have flashbacks. Yeah, right. But at the same time, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe we will get flashbacks to see those key moments in the development of their relationship. And maybe we will get to see the costume again. Or maybe it was just a one-off, uh, you know, fun. Sure, night. sure, sure. But, you know. Did, did you watch The Legacy of Hope? that aired afterwards. Yes, I did. So I thought that was great because it interviewed all the combo creators like Jim Lee and Jeff Johns and uh, everyone else. But I don't know if you caught this at one point, Jim Lee, a famous artist and the, the guy who basically <laughs> runs DC is like, well, you know how the story goes with great power. There must come great responsibility. And I paused and I looked at the TV and I was like, okay, yeah. All right. I, I guess I've heard that once or twice before. And I'm like laughing to myself and I'm like, I mean, yeah, if you're going to steal, steal from the best, but like, okay, if that's your driving, uh, if, if that's your driving motivator here. And again, again, I don't know how involved Jim Lee is in the process. He's got one or two other things going on, but I was like, yeah, yes, please. Yes, please. And thank you. I, I knew you were going to say that. And I had the same <laughs> reaction. And the thing is like, you know, cause they interviewed the two young actors who played Jordan and Jonathan. And if one of them had said it, I would have been like, okay, like, right, you know, it's, you know, all sort of part of like the the comic book superhero mythology, right? And not that that's not a knock against them, but this guy is the head of DC Comics, and it's like, why would you quote Spider Man? And you know, the thing that really got me was like they left it in, yeah, like that's the thing. I could see if he said that, and he's like, oh wait a minute, like maybe I should like not use, <laughs> not use the competition. It was so weird. I, I know I did a double take. I'm like, really, dude? Like, I, you're the DC guy. You're the you're the DC guy. But more <laughs> than that, it was like you started at Marvel. <laughs> like, like Jim Lee was was the, the world's greatest X Men artist for a couple of years. Like that's where he he started his thing. So to hear him say that, and I was like, like you have not worked at the House of Ideas for a very very long time, but you did work there. So it was one of those things where it was like, yeah, I'm with you. Like I can't believe they. They kept it in, but at the same time, I'm like, this is this is great. <laughs> like, I'm, all, I'm all on board for this. Yeah, that was a very odd moment that he said yeah. it and that he, again, that they that they left it in. Um, again, it's not a huge deal. And I mean, I guess to his point, it's like, yeah, there's, I, other than truth, justice, the American way, it's like, yeah, you don't have like a catchy saying that encapsulates all of Superman, but good God, man, it's like, make something up. It's like... <laughs> I mean, I feel like, you know, Jeff Johns, who was also interviewed and, and you know, um, yeah. Helbing, who's the, the showrunner and Greg Berlanti, yeah, right, right. you know, I felt they, they got at the idea, you know, w without referencing the direct competition, but you yeah. know, yeah, just this idea, um, you know, he, he, he could do anything with these powers, you know, he, he you know, he's, he's, people see him as a God or they could, if yeah. he, if he, you know, played into that. And the fact that he uses them just to help people to be a friend, because that's what Smallville and his parents taught him. Yeah. That, that really sums it up. Um, you know, or to put it another way with great power comes great <laughs> responsibility. 
<laughs> but it, it's so funny because it's like, you know, Clark, Superman treats the entire world, any world that he goes to, the way the people of Smallville treated him. You know, whether the story says, well, he was adopted or he's their kid or he was a foundling or whatever you want to be. No, no one judged him differently growing up. You know, he kept his power secret, fine, whatever. But there is love there and he was loved. And, and you know, he brings that out to the rest of the world. And to see him return there and to say, well, this place taught me why I care about the rest of the world the way I do. It's like, oh, man, I got to put this stuff into my kids as quickly as possible. Because if they're going to be able to do what I can do, I need to make sure that they treat it in a similar way for the benefit of everyone. Because I, I don't want them falling off the same path, which is a very Spider-Man story. Because, you know, famously, when he gets his powers, altruism is the very last thing on his mind. And it's not because he wasn't raised well. It's because, you know, he was treated very poorly. And, and suddenly he had the ability to act out. And he learns a lesson and he moves on and, and he dedicates himself to helping others when the opportunity presents itself. But, you know, there, but for the grace of God, you get another supervillain. And it's the same thing here. Like you can see Clark struggling with that. And it's like, well, what made sure that I'm never tempted to abuse these abilities and harm others? It was growing up here. and was growing up with parents who loved me in ways I don't have the words to describe, I need to be that for my kids, whether or not they have powers. Like, if they do, great, this will head off some potential issues. But even if they don't, like, this place made me the way I am, and my wife hates her dad, so maybe we <laughs> should stick around and see if we can't, uh, you know, make a few memories. Yeah, they just got to take care of that reverse mortgage. You know, they got to they gotta, they gotta, oh they gotta <laughs> cover the, the other half of the value of the farm. Well, they have to, you know, like audit Galaxy Holdings or whatever's going to, oh, that whole scene in the bank is great because I expected them to drop that and have it be really cringy, but to have Lana Lang, of all people, say, oh, no, your mother used it to help the rest of the community. She's kind of our Superman. It's like, God, I should hate this, but I love it. I totally buy that. She would do that. So, yeah, yeah again, I, I just, I thought it was great. It was it was it was a nice touch. Uh, I think a couple of times over because it, you know, it showed again like Clark is the way he is because of his parents. Like they lived the values that they taught him. So the fact that she would be doing that makes sense. But it also makes sense that like why she would keep it secret. I guess. Whereas I mean, maybe she would out of pride. She you know even if she just needed help on the with the farm itself, maybe out of pride she would have kept it a secret. But I don't know. I feel like she probably would have told Clark. But the idea that she was using it to help other people and, and, you know, she kind of wanted that to be its own thing, you know, that, that, that rang true. So, um, so yeah, that made a lot of sense. Um, yeah, it was sad. I know we talked about this before, but yeah, it was sad to see Martha go, but, um, and Jonathan too, yet again, it's like, if you sign on to play Jonathan Kent at some point, you're grabbing your arm and you're going to the floor, <laughs> you're going to the mat. I mean, you that you grab the arm, you go down this, you know, this time it happened in the, you know, on, on, on main street during the festival or whatever, but, uh, it's, it's inevitable. You know, it's so funny because like, you know, you, your first comic was the death of Superman and I'm, I'm right around that time, but it's like, to me, like J Jonathan dying was never a major thing for me. Like for, for, for the comics post crisis, he's very much alive. And then in, in the DC animated universe, like he is a guiding force in his son's life to the point where like Clark famously brings Martian Manhunter home for Christmas. And the Kents are like, Oh, John, you know, glad you could join us. Can we get you a gift? This whole thing. And like seeing both of the parents together, it's like, yeah, I, I kind of like this. I kind of like that Clark gets to go home and it's like, yeah, everyone else he works with is like, 
know, they've got this tragic backstory. And Clark's like, yeah, I was too young to remember Krypton, but my parents are great. And, you know, they both in the comics and the cartoon, they, they help raise Supergirl and Crypto. And, right. and they, they, they were this family unit for a very long time. So, like, I don't have the same... Like, Jonathan does die a lot, but even in, in to go back to Smallville, he doesn't die until, like, what, episode 100 or something. Like, yeah. the Duke boy is is there in, in all his son's uh, key moments. So, again, I'm always for more Jonathan. Here's a little tease of the upcoming episode with Mark Wade where we talk about birthright. A little tease. Um because we talked about, you know, some of the parameters that he had to work within because he was, you know, retelling Superman's origin, but with within the existing continuity. Um, but if it had been up to him, he would have done away with the Kents. He likes the version where uh, where where they've passed. Um, and you'll hear the, the full discussion when, when when I put that out. But it was it was interesting to me. And I, I you know, it's like I, I feel so differently, you know, for all the reasons you just described. Uh, but yeah, certainly in terms of, again, yeah, Smallville, it took a while to get there, but we, we had that moment in Superman, the movie and Man of Steel, all right, it was a different cause. It wasn't a heart attack, but, but, but sure, still, sure. Uh, well, he had to save that dog, Anthony, you know, that, that dog, <laughs> that, that very important character defining world defining dog. He had to save that dog. And I love dogs by the way. Yeah. So, you know, look, what stood out to me about that scene was that Jonathan, the father would rather would rather die than yeah. than have his son expose himself and 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 be in danger. That was that was my takeaway. And, you know, yeah. well, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But um, I, I will say uh, to, you know, because I Mark Mark Wade, as far as I'm concerned, is the definitive voice on on Superman. And I love Birthright. Um, but one thing I, I will agree with is you get some very interesting stories when the Kents aren't around. Like to go back to what we were saying before, like I'm a huge fan of the Golden Age, and the Kents are not around for that at all. Like he's he's not yet been Superboy. Mm. It would have been kind of weird to have his parents, aged or not, to to be around. So they're not a force in in his life at all. Um, at least for the majority of the stories, and that that continues for a long time. So you you can tell a lot of very interesting stories when he doesn't have that safety net because it kind of goes back to what you were saying about Lana not knowing the secret this time around. It's like, well, how lonely was right. Clark? Like, I doubt the Legion of Superheroes were showing up and all this other stuff. You know, maybe he had his cousin. I'm, I'm not sure where that falls. But, like, in the Golden Age, it's like, no, you were completely alone. There weren't either of other superheroes. So, like, without your parents there to be able to be like, hey, listen, you know, don't do anything weird when you go off to the big city and, uh, I don't know, fight Nazis. Uh, you know, it's even more of an interesting story because he really is alone until he meets Lois. So, you know, it can go both ways. But again, that's that's one of the interesting things about Superman is there's no one right way to tell that story. It's why he's lasted so long and inspired so many others. Well said. And that idea of the loneliness, that was what what, what Wade talks about in, in the episode. Um, and, and I certainly get that. And But to your point, and, and I, again, as much as I am attached to certain versions, it's like, I you know, I do see the value in you know, in, in a telling where his parents aren't there or where only one of the parents is there. Like I, and, and again, I, I, you're right. I mean, I think that is the rich richness of the character that, um, it, it works in different ways. I think, you know, certainly for me and for us, the time that we grew up reading and, and watching this stuff, I think that informs a lot of, you know, sort of what we, what we like and what we expect in, in, in the stories. But, um, 
this was great. I, you know, I, I had so much fun. Uh, you know, again, I watched it twice, and then this was so much fun to to unpack all of it with you. Uh, again, I think this has been clear. I'm a fan. I'm on board. I was so impressed. Very pleasantly surprised. Look, I didn't have the highest expectations going in for all the reasons that we talked about. But I think even if I had, I mean, I, this show was it was a really really strong pilot. When I first was mapping out the episodes of this podcast, like I wasn't necessarily planning on covering this, um, and as, as I think you know from the episodes you've been part of and that you, you know you've seen me put out, you know, I'm, I'm it's more looking back. It's not so like this podcast isn't about like oh we're going to talk about the latest issue or we're going to talk about you know the new thing that just came out. That's not so much where my interest lies. But I felt like it would be fun, and. I'm glad to have this outlet, you know, <laughs> to, to talk about it. And I don't know, maybe I'll work in another episode in the schedule, you know, when the season ends, maybe we'll come back and we'll do a, a recap. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the end of the season when we get to that point. Cause I, I don't know if the pilot is any indication that we, we might have a lot to say. I, yeah, I would be up for that. I also, I wouldn't say I had low expectations. Mostly I just wasn't thinking of the show as something I was going to watch. It just, it didn't occur to me that I would want to watch it, but after you mentioned wanting to do this, then I, I looked into it and 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 watched it. And I, again, I I enjoyed it far more than I thought I would, but also I enjoyed it as a great evolution of the Superman mythology. And it's like I hope that writers of his stories are looking at this as a great way of of giving that character true conflict. Um, but I also want to tack on something because you said you don't want to look forward too much. Um, for anyone who hasn't read it but wants to read a very good self-contained Superman story, this morning I read Superman versus Imperious Lex number one by Mark Russell, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right, but the artist's name is Stephen Pugh, P-U-G-H. Mm-hmm. It is a very recent book. It's part of DC's Future State. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. It was one of the best Superman comics I've ever read. It's very brief. It's not oversized. If you want to read something current that you can get at your local comic book store, Please seek it out. Part two is coming out soon. It might actually have already shipped by the time this releases, but it was a great current story for anyone who's interested. Oh, right on. Well, thank you for the recommendation. Um, well, listen, thank you very much for being part of this episode. You're going to be back. Uh, I have to double check the, the, the lineup, but um, I have you slated for a couple of upcoming episodes. Um, I think during the month of May. Yeah, it's May. Uh, I have a couple of episodes that will celebrate Smallville on the 10th anniversary of its series finale. And um, in one of those episodes uh, I've, I've planned with you where uh, we're going to talk about the little coda to the the Clark Kent of Smallville that we got in Crisis. And and we'll also use that as a springboard to talk about whatever happened to the man of tomorrow. So, so you'll be back for that. That's really exciting. And then I think it's actually going to be the episode right after that. Uh, where we'll talk about Superman in the Golden Age. So we'll talk about a selection of Golden Age stories. We'll touch on the Fleischer cartoon. Um, I know you want to bring in a discussion of the Grant Morrison uh, New 52 run, which, which um, you know, kind of incorporated some of those elements. Uh, so, so you'll be back, and I think we have some really interesting conversations ahead of us. I always look forward to being on the show. So yeah, please, uh, I can't wait. Right on. And in the meantime, uh, so this episode drops the, the first Wednesday of March. Uh, the other two episodes this month feature uh, DC Comics artist V. Ken Marion. We have an episode where uh, Ken and I break down the two cuts of Superman 2. That's a really fun one. We already recorded that. And then uh, later in the month, either the 24th or the 31st, I'm still, uh, depending on when we can get it recorded, will be our epic discussion of the Snyder Cut of Justice League. So it's going to be one way or another. 
That's going to be a big episode and a lot of fun and I think very interesting. And there might be another mini-sode coming out. Uh, you know, Mike and I did one a couple of weeks ago uh, about our thoughts on, on Superman and Lois before watching the pilot. Um, there might be another mini-sode. And there might be, I might do uh, those here and there because they were, it was fun just to kind of, you know, you know, get something out there to have like a quick conversation. So, so we'll see. Uh, but thank you, Mike. Thank you to uh, everyone who listened or watched. I really do appreciate it. Make sure uh, you tune in to the other podcasts, My Comic Shop History, My Comic Shop Book Club. Uh, be here for the next episode of Digging for Kryptonite. And until then, remember, it's about what you do. It's about action. Digging for Kryptonite is a Flat Squirrel production. Art by Greg Schiegel, music by Basic Printer. If you like what you heard, be sure to listen to My Comic Shop History, available on most major podcast platforms. Sign up for exclusive additional content, including the Digging for Kryptonite companion podcast at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato and watch my documentary film, My Comic Shop Country, out now on Apple TV and Amazon.